There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. This week, I thought I would sum up what's going on with our most famous resident in Palm Beach County, Donald Trump. He was just indicted on 34 felony counts in a Manhattan courtroom. There are three other cases under investigation as well. The January 6th attack in the Capitol and whether he incited it. Election interference in Georgia. And, of course, the classified documents, the boxes taken from his house by the FBI agents who raided Mar-a-Lago and rummaged through Melania's underwear drawer. Oh, darling, they went through my panties. So I thought I would talk to my friend. He's a criminal defense attorney, Stuart Kaplan. He practices in Palm Beach County. He's also a former FBI special agent, so he's fully versed in all this stuff. And I want to know who in their right mind would represent Donald Trump as an attorney. Will he be convicted of a felony? Can he still become president if he is? And now Trump is calling for the defunding of the FBI and DOJ. So what does Stuart think? First of all, this case with Alvin Bragg. Uh, my understanding is against Trump. It's like a bookkeeping mistake that's tied to a state election law that makes it a felony. Is that right? It is certainly a different situation where he is overreaching and utilizing or trying to use uh, his jurisdiction to take away the preemption that has always been recognized that federal law will trump uh, existing state laws if they're either in conflict or federal law is really the controlling body of that area of law. They decided not to prosecute him federally. That is correct. I mean, the the federal election individuals through the Department of Justice took a look at this and they didn't see any violations. And that's why they declined to further investigate and then basically ultimately closed their investigation. Do you see this case going to trial? I don't. I see this case as being a case that will be discussed in law schools for years to come through uh, the motion practice when these lawyers put pen to paper and really start to tear apart the indictment, asking the judge. There is a, a procedure where they can request the judge to do an inspection of the grand jury minutes. That is the actual testimony that was put into the grand jury. I think this case is going to fall by the wayside on a motion to dismiss for either prosecutorial misconduct or just simply on the statute of limitations. Or number three is that the use of trying to tie the nexus between the federal election laws and trying to use that to bootstrap a case which by all means would have been impossible to have prosecuted because the statute of limitations 
would have long since run. So I see this case never getting to trial and being won during the motion practice period. Okay. And a lot of his attorneys are now subject to the crime fraud exception and they're able to pierce the attorney-client privilege. Uh, would you be his attorney? You're a defense attorney. I mean, these... <laughs> Alan Dershowitz was ruined by representing him during the impeachment. Well, look, I think one of the criticisms that I've always had or one of the things that I tell a lot of lawyers or a lot of people is that the most important thing is for a lawyer to have client control and never take on the personality or the persona of your client. Now, this individual, Donald Trump, has, you know, a huge personality and uh, it is very difficult to really have him in full control. And that is a very difficult task and could end up being a very frustrating task for a lawyer who's trying to keep his client in check. And I think just by last night, when you saw him get back to Mar-a-Lago, obviously very quickly he got in front of a podium and made a speech. I think under any other circumstances, a lawyer would be completely beside themselves and be completely frustrated by any client who would want to make you know, that type of presentation. But, you know, he's larger than life. I don't knock him for it because that is his personality. But I would caution the lawyers to be good lawyers, be ethical, maintain your moral compass and don't get sideways and make sure you do what is ethically uh, within your powers to do, but keep it straight and fly straight. Yeah, Jake Tapper had Michael Cohen on last night, and he called Trump's attorneys that are representing him in the New York case, it was a clown car of attorneys, Joe Tacopina. I mean, is he having trouble getting good attorneys? Well, I think there may be some interest in Donald Trump trying to barter and thinking that, you know, if he hires you, he may get or you may get some exposure or some good advertising. Um, I really don't know. I think, again, Um, It's fraught with a lot of issues with respect to client control. Lawyers want to be in control of their clients. They want to be able to dictate what should and should not be done and what should or should not be said. Now, this is a very difficult scenario because Donald Trump, um, for all intents and purposes, is the next Republican candidate in the general election for the next presidency of the United States coming up in 2024. So you don't want to hamstring him with respect to his campaigning. The problem is um, it's a difficult task to muzzle him and to temper uh, what he may say that could have implications with respect to what you're trying to achieve in a courtroom. Right. Cohen also says he doesn't pay you. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, I didn't want to say it that way, but I think a lot of lawyers would, would, would sign on thinking that the exposure would be good. I, I like to think then I'm worth every penny, and I'm not interested. Uh, I do enough pro bono work, and I'm not interested to doing any additional pro bono work, especially in a case like this. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's mind-boggling how many lawsuits that are about to pop up with him. But going back to the attorney-client privilege and that being pierced, who among us hasn't committed a crime that our attorney knows about? <laughs> I don't. That's amazing that these attorneys can turn on him. Well, it's not necessarily the import or the conveying information to your attorney that may or may not be against the law. Uh, what the, what the real question is whether or not that attorney has assisted you in obstructing or aiding and abetting you in furtherance of that concealment. And that's really where the fine line is. So if you come 
you know, Karen, if you went in to see me today and you said, listen, Stuart, I just want to let you know, I just committed a homicide. Um, you know, I'm duty bound to keep that confidential and that's a privileged communication. If I then decide to assist you in, you know, removing the body or obstructing law enforcement, its efforts to try to investigate the homicide, then the crime fraud exception would apply, meaning that our communications may not be then privileged and may be subject to subpoena, meaning that they could throw me into a grand jury or compel me to give testimony against you or myself. So it's a fine line. There's nothing wrong with people, and I don't want people to have a takeaway because I don't want people to have a chilling effect to think that they can't openly communicate with their lawyers. That's what lawyers are, are there for, and you should be able to openly and honestly convey uh, your thoughts and what has happened to you because the best advice that comes from a lawyer is a client being thoroughly honest and open and complete. So that's not really what the what the statute you know is all about. It really is when a lawyer crosses that fine line and tries to help you or aid or abet you or, or impeding or obstructing uh, what law enforcement may or may not be doing. Well, just for the record, you did not help me get rid of the body. <laughs> but it just seems like a lot of Donald Trump's attorneys have crossed the line and have been spilling the beans under the crime fraud exception. You know, Donald Trump has a very imposing personality. He's bigger than life. And I think a lot of lawyers um, get starstruck. And I guess that's maybe the best way to put it. Um, you know, you're representing a, a person that's bigger than life. He's, you know, he's you know, the greatest celebrity, the most recognizable person on the planet right now. And I think, you know, someone who may be uh, less experienced or more starstruck may be willing uh, to do something because they think it puts him, puts them in better favor with him as the client. But really the opposite is true. If you tend to take a step back, you need to be in full control of your client and not have your client dictate what you should or should not be doing. And I think that's where lawyers can get into a lot of trouble in a case like this and representing a client like him. But I think it's also that anyone in Donald Trump's orbit seems to be a target for criminal prosecution. And if they're offered immunity, then they're probably more likely to say, "Okay, yeah, I'll go along with you and give you what you want. Yeah, no, I think if you're a good lawyer and you've done your job and you've done it properly, then there should be no reason why the government or the state should be able to put you in the trick bag and have you unravel or breach that, you know, ultimate attorney client relationship. I think if you do your job and you do it right and you do it above board, you can obviously provide him with the best and adequate representation. The, the question becomes, do you get tempted because he's asked you or suggested for you to bend the rules or skate around something or cut a corner? That's where you have to resist that temptation and keep it straight. Okay. Shifting gears. So you're a former FBI special agent, Stuart Kaplan, and also a criminal defense attorney there in Palm Beach County. And today, Donald Trump, after being arraigned in Manhattan yesterday, said that the Republican-led Congress should, quote, defund the Justice Department and FBI until they come to their senses. What do you think about that? Well, I will tell you that the last thing in 2023 in any regards, in any state, in any city, in any town, in any municipality, is no one should be uh, talking about defunding any law enforcement agencies. We are crime-ridden. I mean, as the United States goes, we are overwhelmed 
with immigration problems, border problems, uh, drug problems, fentanyl problems. Uh, crime is rampant. Violence is rampant, whether you're in a big city, small city, whether you're here in Florida, Los Angeles, New York, or Timbuktu. Crime is really completely out of sorts. So I cringe when I hear any sort of suggestion that we should defund any sort of law enforcement agency. And then, of course, I think it even exacerbates my cringeworthiness with respect to talking about defunding the FBI. The FBI is and will always be the premier law enforcement agency, not only in the United States, but worldwide. Now, with that being said, and I'll use this as a perfect example, Karen, when I see Jim Comey, the former director of the FBI, come out on Twitter and try to suggest that, you know, today was a good day uh, because, you know, Donald Trump was arrested and was indicted. And then after the fact, you know, throws another pot shot at him. That to me only completely and succinctly um, proves his political agenda, the fact that he is more interested in politics, more interested in himself and in his ego, and is less interested and was definitely less interested in the overall mission of keeping the FBI out of politics. And I really think that for the first time in history, going back, you know, in 2016 or 17 or up until the day Jim Comey was literally uh, walked out of the FBI headquarters, it really was the first time in many, many years where the FBI seemingly was weaponized and became a political entity with respect to being able to be pushed in one direction or the other for the benefit of one political party or the other. And that really, to me, is shameful, unforgivable. I think it, it's complete abuse of power. So with that being said, um, I think the only misgiving I have with Jim Comey uh, being basically walked out and fired was that basically everybody below him in the upper management executive position should also have been walked out and they should have cleaned house from the top. I think that the men and women who do the grunt work each and every day keep us really put their lives on the line. And but for them, we would be uh, less secure. And I think that we are uh, in a much better position with the with the men and women who are on the streets, who literally put their lives on, on the line. And so I would say that we don't need to address the grunt agents. But I certainly think at the top, we need a we need a house cleaning. Yeah, when you were an FBI agent, Stuart, was there a political agenda among other agents? Karen, I don't recall ever politics coming into the into the office. I don't even ever remember engaging uh, in politics in and of itself. Now, I handle a lot of public corruption cases, but the public corruption cases and the discussions were about the underlying allegations or about the criminal activities that were being engaged by political figures. It never, ever went down a path with respect to the affiliation of the particular person on his party affiliation. And so that was nothing. That was never something I ever witnessed, nothing I ever was told, nothing I ever heard. I was devoid of ever thinking that politics played in the decision-making of the FBI. So you don't need to defund them, just clean out the top part. Yeah, I, I listen, I, I think I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned out. Listen, I think our social media is out of sorts. I think we need to start to restrict and police our social media platforms. I think that has a lot to do with stoking the fires. I think uh, our uh, political subdivisions with respect to school boards 
and town councils and and all of these you know quasi judicial entities. I think we have lost our moral compass with respect to the rule of law, with respect to due process, with the right to have an opportunity to be heard, for the opportunity to be respected when we speak up, even if we have a difference of opinion. I think there's a lot of things that are going on in our society with respect to gun control, the freedom for a woman to make a choice, you know, all of those things. There's such a tsunami of so many issues. I mean, we just had the governor sign a bill with respect to, you know, now you don't have to go and get a concealed weapons permit. Now you can, you know, carry a weapon pursuant to the Second Amendment as, you know, constitutional right. You know, so there's so many things that are converging at once. And I think as the United States uh, is being so divided, um, I think a lot of it is fueled by the media. I think the media has picked sides. I think a lot of it is blown out of proportion. I think a lot of it, uh, to be quite frank, is scaring a lot of people, even myself, with respect to a lot of the things I see and hear on television or hear or read in the newspapers or even more so on social media. I think uh, the, the biggest threat, I think, to our society is that this social media you know, situation where anybody can have a platform and you can say or do anything on social media and post it. You know, people listen to that. You have TikTok. Now you have, you know, people doing videos and making speeches and statements and doing all sorts of crazy things. And people are paying attention to that. And the one thing I see is that kids are definitely being affected by it. And they're getting an overdose of indoctrination into many, many things that I think are reserved for the family and for the house and for the home and for our teachers. And I just see uh, there's just a conversion of so many things that are going on in the world. I think we need to take a step back and really uh, reconfigure. Well, I hate hate to tell you, Stuart, but AI has just gone off the rails and it's just going to get worse. One final question, you as an attorney, as a defense attorney, Trump has now Mike Pence says that he will testify before the grand jury about the January 6th because you've got, okay, the hush money thing, indictment. Uh, the January 6th thing, Pence is going to testify. Then you've got the election interference thing going on and mm-hmm. the documents from Mar-a-Lago. If you're his, he's got to have four sets of attorneys for all of these different crimes that are being investigated. Yeah, I mean, look, the problem is that the government is effectively trying to prevent him from running in the next general election. For the president of the United States. Now, whether that's the optics, whether that's the perception, or whether or not that is a reality, I think anybody can take away, at least from the optics, that it seems that they are trying to shut down Donald Trump from having an opportunity to run in 2024. That in and of itself, I think, is pragmatic with respect to the optics. And I am a firm believer that if, in fact, the optics would lead someone to believe that, then maybe we need to take a step back for the, for the betterment of our country, for the betterment of the rule of law. And by the way, I don't in any way want any of your listeners to believe that I think anyone is above the law. But I also believe that as a citizen of the United States, I think for the betterment of our country as a whole, that I think we are paying too far of a, a too much of a price with respect to our demoralization, our divisiveness, and all the craziness that is being expounded out in, in the media, I think we need to take a deep breath, take a step back, and calm things down and move on because there are too many more important things 
that are going on that are really affecting all of us yes. than just Donald Trump. So if you were his attorney, like from an umbrella situation over all four of these different cases that are coming up against him, is there any one of them or all of them going to end up with a felony conviction? And would that even stop him from running for president or being president because of the appeals process? I don't see any of the cases standing out as something that I would be concerned about. I think that the case that is now pending in New York City, I think that is a sham. I think that that, as I said, that case will be beat, will be beat or dismissed on pretrial motions. I think the, the situation with respect to trying to implicate Donald Trump as being an insider or an agitator on January 6th, I think that he was expressing his right to free speech. I think when he got before the podium, I don't see any language that he used that was any worse or any different than what we have seen from any other politician. I mean, we can go back in time and look at the riots uh, that ensued in the summers of 2020. Yeah, but uh, will they during, follow the law in D.C. and in New York? Well, that, they hate well, him. So, they hate him. Well, look at what happened with O.J., thing. the jury nullification. I mean, well, there's... <laughs> here's, here's the thing, Karen. I am a big, firm believer, and I have not given up on being an American. And the most fundamental right that each and every one of us has is the presumption of innocence. And I do believe that until such time as a person is found guilty or pleads guilty, that that presumption of innocence cloaks each and every one of us until such time as a jury or a judge renders a verdict. And I would be damned for Donald Trump to just give up or fall on the sword because the pressure has gotten too much, because then our real democracy, our real spirit of democracy and due process has then died. And I don't want to see that happen. Yeah. If he is convicted of a felony, though, he can appeal it. So he could still run and pardon him. Well, if he ends up being the president, he can pardon himself. That is correct. But no, not on a state, not on a state charge. That's why it's different. Well, well, he can appeal, you know, but again, there's nothing in the Constitution that would prevent him from running for the president of the United States, even if he was a convicted felon. Okay. well, we'll see what happens. Thank you so much. You have, have anything you want to add? It's always my pleasure, Karen, to talk to you. Okay. Call me anytime. You're the best. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So we'll stay on top of what's going on with uh, the Donald and bring any updates as they become available. But that wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Thanks for listening. Until next time.